0: Welcome, welcome, welcome. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening. Thank you guys once again for joining the 980s podcast hosted by yours truly, Kevin Thompson, founder and CEO of 9i Capital Group. Thank you guys for joining us. As I always say, subscribe to the channel. As I always say, go and get my book. It might be the CFP Live on Apple and Amazon. If you have any questions, comments, or concerns, you can email us at info at 9iCapitalGroup.com. Send us your questions, or you can go to the website at www.9iCapitalGroup.com. Schedule an appointment. As you know, we're here to do what? educate, empower, and engage. And today, we're going into the weeds, like my man James McGlynn would say. We're with Mr. Jonathan Clements of the Humble Dollar. And yes, we're talking retirement planning because we're about to go into the weeds with Jonathan Clements. Let's get it. We have Jonathan Clements, humble dollar extraordinaire, uh, multiple books he's written as well. Jonathan, Mr. Jonathan Clements, thank you for joining our 90s podcast today, my friend.
1: Hey, Kevin, it's great to be on with you again.
0: So I know the humble dollar has gone from, you know, a, a kind of like a part-time journey for yourself to a full-time day job, and you've had multiple, multiple uh, people uh, have their input in the Humble Dollar. And I know it's changing a little bit. And and you know one thing, John, uh, we're all curmudgeons on that Humble Dollar. We're all old guys like, ah, stay off my lawn. The, the, the comments are extraordinary. So talk to me a little bit about the the where Humble jo- Dollar is today and, uh, and what you envision moving forward.
1: So Kevin, the site was launched at year-end 2016. So we're about six and a half years into this. You know you go back to the initial months of Humble Dollar, and I was getting about sixty thousand page views per month, yeah, last month in July, we had five hundred and twelve thousand page wow. views. It was the uh, the best month ever for the site. Congratulations um, and you know one of the things that's I think helped to drive traffic this year is the site has become more focused. so mm-hmm. when I launched it, I really didn't know what it was. <laughs> <laughs> it was just it was just a a blogging platform and a chance for me and some other people to write about what we were interested in in terms of finance. Today it's much more focused on retirement issues and the audiences those approaching retirement or in retirement and you know as you know from your friend James McGlynn. You know, we write about some pretty nerdy stuff. I mean, one of the topics that gets people really hot and bothered on Humble Dollar is so-called IRMA, these income-related monthly adjustment amounts, this Medicare premium surcharge. You know, I know that if I run a story on IRMA, I'm going to get great traffic that day. I don't think there are many websites out there that can make that claim.
0: (laughs) IRMA is a real big... uh... R- real big issue right now. I know I was just walking around the block today and James comes out and he he gives me some, and matter, f- matter of fact, let me show you this. I know people won't be able to see it, but he gave me $20 of Thai bot. So he just got back from Vietnam and um, very well-traveled. And he does love to get in the weeds, my friend. I'm talking about not I'm talking about literally we we get we go so deep into social security planning, so deep in the LTC. We talk about all the nuances of everything. it's It's critical, I believe, to have people like that on your team, and it's critical to have thought, like like your humble dollar blog and and thoughtful pieces that that can kind of put, parse through all of the all of the minutiae because uh hum, I mean, people don't realize retirement planning, it's deep. It's very, very deep. So I appreciate what you're doing.
1: Yeah. I think when a lot of people think about money management, they immediately go to the investment piece. Yeah. And we spend 90% of our time talking about the financial markets and which funds or stocks we ought to own. Yeah. We really need to flip that script. I mean, that should be 10% of the conversation. When you start to think about retirement planning. You're dealing with issues like Medicare. Should you be on medic, traditional Medicare or Medicare Advantage? You know, once you decide that, you're like, how, are you like you're going to get what sort of Medigap policy? What sort of drug plan are you going to get? Are these Irma premium surcharges for Medicare going to be an issue? You know, when are you going to claim Social Security? What is going to be your housing situation in retirement? For people who approach retirement or in retirement the financial world gets really complicated and the last thing that they really need to worry about is you know whether they own this mutual fund or that mutual fund that is immaterial compared to these other huge decisions they need to make
0: immaterial i'm glad you said that because even in the financial planning process i humbly believe that that is such a small part of the puzzle that everything else around you can can the the, the destroy your financial life versus just oh, a stock market going down 10 or 15%. So you're absolutely right from that standpoint. Um, I wanted, there, There's some guys on your humble, humble, humble dollar blog that they get a little animated sometimes, right? <laughs> and it makes for good commentary. I love it. And you mentioned um, whether it be tax increases in retirement or distribution planning for retirement, there would be some, some arguments against, you know, Medicare Advantage versus Medicare. I mean, talk to me a little bit about uh, what is your understanding around Medicare Advantage and why someone would
1: go towards Medicare Advantage versus just traditional Medicare? So at least in the short term, Medicare Advantage will tend to be less costly. Mm -hmm. If you do traditional Medicare, you're going to have to, beyond your the Medicare premiums, which everybody has to pay, you know, you are going to have to have this Medigap policy. You do need to buy a drug plan. By contrast, if you get Medicare Advantage, you know, often you'll get drug coverage as part of the plan, and you're not even allowed to buy one of these Medigap policies that fills in the gaps. Mm-hmm. So, initially, Medicare Advantage can be less costly, but you know, you may find down the road that there are copays or or need to go out of network and so on that can make it much more costly. And beyond all that, a lot of people who end up on Medicare Advantage tend to chafe because, you know, they do need to live within the restrictions of the Medicare Advantage plan. You know, mm-hmm. there may be a limited group of doctors that they can go to if they're out of state for whatever reason and they're traveling and they get sick. It may be an issue because the Medicare Advantage plan doesn't extend that far. So, there are limitations with Medicare Advantage, but the long and the short of it is if you can't afford traditional Medicare, you know maybe Medicare Advantage is the way to go. Maybe the less costly plan for you, particularly if you can keep yourself in reasonably good health through retirement.
0: Yeah, I was talking to a lady recently, very good health um she's she's in her 70s, still working, and uh she was thinking about Medicare Advantage. But, you know, kind of opting into that. And I was like, well, you know, I mean, you're you're healthy, you're, you're single. I mean, you know, it's, it's it's a flip of the coin at that point. But, but she has a lot of she has very, she has wealth, you know, so it, was, it wasn't a question about that. But it was just one of those things where she was just kind of trying to make a decision. And she's already, of course, she's already opted into Medicare back when she's 65 or whatever. But she was just basically saying, well, should I? Should I kind of go this route now, or what? but well, we'll make that decision at some point in the future. But I got another question for you that it's often overlooked for retirees. the widow's tax. I mm-hmm. know people don't necessarily think about it because, you know you're 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 on your way you're getting your social security, your, your your spouse may be getting their social security, you may be getting half of that. So you got a pretty, in, pretty good income coming there. Then you have the IRA distributions coming as well. So you have all of these distributions coming to you. Maybe you have some annuities and things like that. Maybe it's some pensions, all this money coming to you. And then one of the, uh, your spouse suddenly passes away. And now that puts you way up into a higher tax bracket. So we, we very rarely talk about that quote unquote tax that's out there on widows or widowers. Tell me a little bit about like how often do you see, I mean, I'm not sure if you're still, I mean, you're not necessarily deep in the planning game from that perspective, but on the Humble Dollar blog, is that often talked about?
1: It's come up a few times and it is an interesting um, dilemma. So p- for people who, who are new to this, you know, imagine that you have a certain income. Let's just say it's $100,000 a year and you're getting taxed as a couple. You're going to be in a relatively low tax bracket. But then if one of you dies, Suddenly you've got that hundred thousand dollars of income still, but you're getting taxed as a single individual. So suddenly your tax bill goes way up. Mm -hmm. Now, you know, upon the death of the first spouse, there will be a some reduction in in income. You know, one of your social security benefits will go away, though the larger benefit will be continued for the surviving spouse. Mm -hmm. Um, nonetheless, most people. You know, despite that slight reduction in income, we'll end up in a higher tax bracket. And that's a bit of a shock because, yeah. you know, even as you're paying this bigger tax bill, you are still often facing the same sort of costs. You know, you've still got the same house, you're staying paying the same property taxes, and so on. So it can be an issue. And one thing that you want to think about early in retirement, particularly before you claim social security, before you get to those required minimum distributions is whether you want to start doing some Roth conversions mm-hmm. so that you have a pool of tax-free money that be used by the surviving spouse to maintain that standard of living after the first spouse dies.
0: Absolutely. Thank you for that. You're, I mean, people, don't, people often overlook that because in retirement, people feel like, oh, I have 10, 15, 20, 25 years of retirement, maybe three, four, five years into it, you guys are taking all this income and then boom, somebody passes away. There's a lot of planning that goes along with that, whether it be on the estate side, whether it be on uh, on well, really on the state side, because now you get to step up in bases, making sure that things are classified correctly throughout the estate. So a lot of good things that can come from that. Miss, uh, Mr. Clements, is there anything I want to keep these short and I, and I do appreciate these conversations? What so I'm going to ask you this question about the humble dog, dog before we before we exit. What has been the most popular topic outside of Irma on the Humble Dollar as of, just say, 2022, 2023? What's, what's been one of those topics that's been hot as, you know, if I say this outside of Irma, if I say this, I know I'm going to get some some readers uh, in an uproar or getting them commenting.
1: Well, one of the topics, and again, you know, we are in nerd land here. <laughs> yeah. Kevin, but one of the things that people get really excited about is the 4% rule for People who are novices, the 4% rule was created by Bill Bengen back in the early 1990s. He did a study that said essentially, if you withdraw 4% of your portfolio's value in the first year of retirement, and thereafter you step it up with the inflation rate, you should be able to make it through a 30 year retirement without depleting your portfolio. So that's the, the 4% rule. But people have been saying well 4% is too much because the stock market is much more richly valued now and bond yields are lower other people say oh you can do more than 4% you need to tweak it by doing this or that it goes on and on kevin i mean everybody's trying to find what the magic rule is and i think what it comes down to is this you know one nobody in the history of the world has actually ever followed the 4% rule mm-hmm. you know where they blindly withdraw 4% in the first year of retirement and then step up that amount every year with inflation. I mean, nobody in their right mind is going to do that when faced with, say, a huge stock market decline. Yes. So we naturally cut back our spending. Um, but second, you know, and it follows on from that, most people don't need the same amount of money every year, and they are willing to be flexible. So potentially, you could withdraw more than 4% of in the first year if you're willing to make those cutbacks and if we get a year like 2022 where the stock market goes 20 down 20 25 percent if you're flexible in your spending if you say this year you know we're just going to take the driving vacation rather than the big flight to europe and the fancy vacation there you can manage around that four percent rule it's a great guideline but you could potentially spend more than that in any given year as long as you're willing to cut back when we have rough financial times.
0: Well, taking a flight to Europe right now, I don't know if that sounds good or bad. I just know it's really, really warm in Europe, and I don't know what's going on. See, I'm in Texas, so warm is, is like our second nature. It's 108 here, but when you hear it's 110 in Greece, and they're like, what? What's going on there? So I don't know if it's uh, going to be that pleasant if, we, if if you take
1: that, take that uh, vacation to Europe this year. So, all right, I have a question for you, Kevin. I know you want to keep these short. Yeah. Given what's going on um, with the climate, given that we s- seem to be at this tipping point where the world has suddenly become much warmer. Yes. What are the financial implications?
0: Oh my gosh, well that's great. So there's there's good financial implications and there's bad, right? So the good side is going to be, there's going that's going to bring on uh, some non-traditional technologies in regards to alternative energy. So we have... Battery-operated plants, uh, maybe solar-powered plants. But here's my issue with that. So we have these these cars that are battery-operated, that are you know the electric. What happens to the batteries? Where do you dispose of the batteries? It, I mean, that's that that's a conundrum. Are we are we creating a new mess outside of just you know the oil and the carbon emissions and things like that? Well, that's one thing. That's one side of things, and the other side of things is. Financial would be, okay, well, we have rising, rising tides, rising sea levels. Uh, what happens to financially in regards to the the structure of the, of the quote, unquote, the American coast, like what happens there? How does that impact us financially? How does that impact Miami and, and New Orleans and all of these hubs of, of quote unquote, stability in regards to people living there? So I, I don't know. I mean, I think it's going to be, I think it's going to be negative all, all, all together. It's going to be negative. But I think there's going to be some positive aspects in regards to just alternative energy sources that are going to come out of this. What say you?
1: I think there are two things that I think about. One is uh, you know I think people should you know do a little research and see whether there's any potential um, flooding that they could face. You know I have a house that is relatively close to a river. I went and looked at the uh, the flood map, and they say it would take a 500 year event. My house to be flooded.
0: Oh! But, don't, don't get me started with that.
1: <laughs> but you know, are the uh, the odds going to change now that um, now that we are seeing this climate change? And the second thing I wonder about is will we see a reversal of the migration to the south? Yeah. Will people decide it's simply too warm? And are we going to see renewed popularity for places in? the middle of the country it's it could happen it could happen i mean and i wonder what that would mean for real estate values and so on i mean i don't think i'm an i'm i'm an optimist i believe humans will always adapt i believe that the technology will you know allow us to go on i don't think that you know we are in an armageddon situation here but i do think that there will be big changes coming down the road
0: i i also believe um like you mentioned the migration um (laughs) One thing that I've noticed in my own house. So when I first purchased my house, there was a floodplain that was far, far a hundred-year event, and is and you're not in a floodplain. All of a the sudden, they have been they've been building up around my house. And now my house may be in a floodplain because mm-hmm. of all of the of the quote unquote cement that they've been laying around and the stuff that they've been building, there's no runoff anymore. So now it's just gonna so every time it rains really hard around my uh around my neighborhood and in the vicinity that I live, there's this there's, there's water flooding certain streets so it's 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 a problem it's definitely a problem and i I don't know who who built this and what architect thought it was a good idea but i i want I want to meet him in a corner one day and have a serious conversation <laughs> and say, hey, I think you're in it. I, I don't think you did this right, but that's an aside but yeah, there's a lot there's a lot to come from that. Technologies, maybe a migration, like you just mentioned, and there's opportunities. I mean, I know every, not everything's about money, but this podcast here, there may be opportunities to invest and 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 take advantage of of certain things that are coming in our in our new world. But I just don't. I just think we're 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 we're, take, we're taking one problem and creating another in regards to just the electric electricity and the battery. Because here's a, here's a question you have to ask yourself, Jonathan. And I know we keep these short. My question is this. So, if you're going to produce the energy, where is the energy coming from? It can't mm-hmm. just come from one source. Like, for example, if we everybody went electric today, like, how would that source of energy, like, where would that energy come from? It would come from coal power plants and wind, wind, and all the other stuff. But it would have to be subsidized by, by dirty oil, right? Dirty energy. So I don't, I don't know the answer to that.
1: I mean, what and do you think? I, and nor do I, Kevin. Uh, yeah, a little bit, you know, beyond my area of expertise. But I do think that there are financial implications, and I think, you know, it's there are going to be big changes in the in, in the in the years ahead. And these issues, like, you know, having a house near the coast, you know, whether people are going to be migrating south and so on, they're going to change. I mean, I, I wonder whether you know one of the biggest polluters is is getting in an airplane flying across yes. the Atlantic. Um, I wonder whether we will start to see restrictions on that or taxes on flying and so on to reduce those emissions. Yeah. There's all kinds of potential things that could happen down the road.
0: Absolutely. Well, Mr. Clements, thank you for joining the Nine Eighties podcast. I always enjoy these commentaries. And by the way, I always love reading the articles on the Humble Dollar. Please go to the Humble Dollar uh, blog, read the Humble Dollar, because not only will you get some great insight. You'll get some wonderful comments from some curmudgeons like myself on The Humble Dollar, and we will update you guys on just some great, great topics. It's about going deep in the retirement weeds. Check out The Humble Dollar and, and by Mr. Jonathan Clements. Yeah, you have anything you want to say to end the podcast, Mr. Clements?
1: No, I appreciate uh, you mentioning the website. The only thing I would put a plug in for here is uh, many of the contributors uh, to Humble Dollar um, wrote essays that have appeared in a book that came out earlier this year called My Money Journey, um, how 30 people achieve financial freedom and you can too. So My Money Journey, if you want to see w- what it takes to retire in comfort, it's a great book to read. And I think what people will find inspiring is that you know, retirement is possible even if you mess up initially. You know, Most of us don't get it right from the get-go. We spend our 20s and our 30s messing around with investments, you know, worrying too much about the financial markets, ups and downs. And a lot of the contributors to the book had mistakes early on, but eventually they settled down. They did the right thing for a couple of decades. And the result was they were able to retire in comfort. And if you do that, so can you.
0: Absolutely. John DeClements, thank you for your time, my friend.
1: All right, thank you, Kevin. Great talking to you.
0: Thank you, guys, for listening. We had Jonathan Clements of the Humble Dollar Blog. Uh, wonderful, wonderful guest. Very, very smart individual. Very, very unique individual as well. I enjoy his commentary. As you all know, this is the 980s Podcast, and we're here to do what: educate, empower, and engage. Subscribe to the channel. Absolutely, get my book. It might be the CFP Live on Apple and Amazon. Thank you guys for joining us. Stay humble, stay safe. We'll see you again soon.